I'd like to uh, first introduce Ray Hartsfield, uh, their wonderful coach. <laughs> You know, he's going to be structured and, and, and his team's going to be structured and he's going to help these guys, you know, teach them the right way, both on and off the court. You know, somebody made a very smart hire when they got him or decided he was the guy. I've always kind of kept track of what he's up to. Even if he doesn't remember me, I'll never forget him. Welcome back to 123 Wildcats. This is episode three. This episode will focus on the life of Ray Hartsfield, his rise as a coach, and the lessons that he has taught his players over the years. I'm your podcast host, Neil Amato. Quick shout out to B. Fitz, Brian Fitzgerald, our executive producer, just as he was the MVP of the 3A state championship game in 1997. He is the MVP of this podcast. Thanks for all the work he has done in the episodes you've heard and the episodes you're about to hear. Ray Hartsfield grew up in Chicago, specifically on the city's south side. Majestic, fascinating, monumental on the lakefront of downtown Chicago reflects the astounding magnitude and impressive beauty of one of the world's greatest cities. In Chicago... Ray Hartsfield attended Harlan High School, where he was coached in football by one of the players who broke the NFL's color barrier, Sherman Howard. Ray Hartsfield had been in the Marines. Before the Marines, he was a football player at Prairie View A&M in Texas. He attended junior college in Chicago. A bunch of the basketball players at his junior college got kicked off the team for some behavior issue, and so the basketball coach went to the football guys and said, hey, we need players. Ray Hartsfield was one of those players. Even when uh, they allowed some of those misbehaving basketball players back, the basketball coach said, yeah, I'm going to keep you to Ray. So I said he had a military background. I said he was molded by uh, a great coach. Great coaches matter to players. Coach McGuire, I bowed to him. He brought me to North Carolina. I can't believe all the coaches on whom I know that have teams play together. I met a couple over there, way over there, and uh, they were saying their teams play together. There are so many great coaches in the game. and There you heard from Dean Smith, UNC's Hall of Fame coach. Great coaches are remembered for more than just X's and O's and their winning percentage. They also help to shape players off the court and prepare them for adulthood. Here's another Hall of Famer, legendary UCLA coach John Wooden, sharing how he defined success for his players. Then I wanted to come up with something that I hope could make me a better teacher and give the youngsters under my supervision, whether it be in athletics or in the English classroom, something to which to aspire other than just uh, a higher mark in the classroom or more points in some athletic contest. And I thought about that for quite a spell and I coined my own definition of success, which is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. I believe that's true. They help them get along in life. I would say that Sherman Howard did that for Ray Hartsfield and Ray Hartsfield has done that now for a generation of East Chapel Hill high basketball players. When Ray Hartsfield got out of the Marines, July 2nd, 1992, 
he began to look for jobs in the Triangle. Riverside at the time needed an assistant football coach and an assistant basketball coach. And he got hired there. Worked there two years under Monty Davis on the football staff where he coached running backs. And he was also a JV and varsity assistant basketball coach uh, under Larry Parrish. After two years at Riverside, he went to Forbush High School. That's in Yadkin County, one county west of Winston-Salem, for those familiar with geography of North Carolina. He went with Monty Davis, who had left Riverside to take the job at Forbush. And he told Coach Davis that he was only going to stay there two years. For various uh, work and life reasons, his family was kind of staying more anchored to the triangle. And so this was going to be a short-term job, is what Ray Hartsfield told Monty Davis. Monty Davis was okay with that. Ray Hartsfield did a good job. He took Forbush basketball as the varsity coach to the playoffs the first two years that he was a head coach. He also coached uh, the running backs. Uh, He had two 1,000-yard rushers when he was there. He definitely got those running backs uh, in shape. My running backs were men of steel. They ran heels, they ran bleachers. So you will never run out of gas. You will learn to run from tackle to tackle. The players at Forbush, the football players at least, had a nickname for him. That nickname was Boot Camp. So practices with Coach, it was always wild. Speaking here is Mac Hefner, a multi-sport athlete at Forbush High School in the mid-1990s. I was the kicker on the football team, and that first season at Forbush, I don't think he understood that. I remember one day we were going through running back drills, and for whatever reason, they put me with the running backs. And we had, like, tape on our helmets at the first few practices, and it, it had, like, your name. Well, I don't, I don't know if people were messing with me or what, but the, the tape on my helmet said T.Kicker. And I think Coach thought my name was Thomas Kicker. We were running through a drill, and I guess I did it wrong. And he goes, son, what's your problem? And I said, I'm just the kicker. And he said, I don't care that your name is Thomas Kicker. Why don't you do it this way? And I was like, nah, coach, I'm the kicker. And he went, why are you in my running back drills? So boot camp, as he was known, had two phrases. I just remember that he wanted respect, but he gave respect. And that's how he was. Uh, It was eyeballs and on your face. When he said eyeballs, the room got real quiet. If he said on your face... Everybody had 10 fingers on the ground, and we knew it was push-up time. He raised the bar for us. When Ray Hartsfield got the job at East Chapel Hill, I don't think that boot camp nickname carried over, but the players certainly knew that he could be strict. You know, he came from a military background, he was pretty intimidating, I would say, but I think that was a good thing for us. We knew we couldn't goof off and, and get away with it, or at least we, we didn't think we could. There you heard from East Chapel Hill guard Paul Kindom, who recalled meeting Ray Hartsfield and hearing his philosophy in a classroom setting early in the school year at East Chapel Hill. He could be loud when he had to, but in general... He was calmer than some coaches 
they had had previously. I remember him being cool, like, you know, calm demeanor when he did get loud and he did get uh, animated, like you knew there was a reason. And it was like, okay, guys, we need to, we need to tighten up here. That was East Chapel Hill forward Brian Fitzgerald. Now you may recall it was Fitzgerald who told the story of the halftime locker room scene when East Chapel Hill played at rival Chapel Hill in December 1996. Coach Hartsfield could certainly get animated, but he said, he being Coach Hartsfield, said he made a conscious decision as the years went on to to dial back some of that intensity. There was a time I was a hothead, and, I, and most people don't believe that. You know, I would get asked to officials, my guys on the sidelines. You know, I used to think that Bobby Knight was the way to go. And nothing against Bobby Knight. I think that's got to be part of your personality. I had to take a look at the guy in the mirror and say, is that you, or are you the patient guy? Are you the guy that sits down, does all the work, and makes sure they're ready to execute when they step on the floor? So, you know, I, I started changing over the years. The other thing I want to pass on about Coach Hartsfield is it's a great story to come in and lead a first-year school all the way to the state championship game. But he wasn't a seasoned coach at that point. He only had two years of varsity head coaching experience before getting the job at East Chapel Hill. Really, when you think about it, and as, as Tim Stevens, the longtime high school sports editor at the Raleigh News and Observer said, he was new to coaching. He wasn't totally new. He wasn't a rookie, but he also wasn't a seasoned veteran. He wasn't a guy who had been around 20 years before he made this uh, playoff run with East Chapel Hill. So it's, it's pretty amazing how it all came together. It's even more amazing that Ray Hartsfield got to this point as a basketball coach, yet never played for his high school after a season of junior varsity as a freshman. He still looked up to the basketball coach at Harlan High School. Lee Umbles, U-M-B-L-E-S, but he's a legend in Chicago because he won a lot of state city championships. And winning a city championship in Chicago was like winning a state championship in other places. Several reasons existed for why young Ray Hartsfield didn't play organized school basketball. One was that he decided to go into wrestling. Another reason, he decided to play organized basketball for a different team. I wasn't going to miss any park and rec basketball. I mean, we had organized teams and practices. I mean, it was, you know, something. if you got lucky, you got on a YMCA team because you traveled. And that was fun. I may have been good enough to play high school ball, but, you know, I played one year on JV. Coach said, you're not coming out this year? I said, no, Coach, I think I'm going to go wrestling. He said, the wrestling coach said, you hardly ever come to practice. You're playing parks and rec, aren't you? I said, yeah. I mean, they were good. I looked at that team and said, I'm not going to play. We were really good when I was in high school. Oh, my goodness. Starting five was going to college to play. And me, I was more into football back then. Basketball was just fun, something to do. You know, I wasn't going to put a whole lot of time into it. I used to talk to Coach Jones. I said, you know what? I'm going to do what you do one day, one of these days. You'd be a basketball coach? I said, yeah, one of these days. Yeah, but you play football. I said, I play football because I think football can get my bills paid. That's why I play football. I love basketball. Another reason, even though he was good enough to earn a football scholarship to Prairie View A&M in Texas as a slot back, was his size. So I wasn't a really big kid. You know, I probably went 
five, six and a half, five, seven. Probably weighed about 145, 50 pounds if I was lucky. But, you know, I was, you know, blessed with a little speed and quickness and agility. Sherman Howard, the football coach at Harlan, didn't see size as a hindrance when it came to putting together a defense. It was a given that that Ray Hartsfield would play tailback. He was not certain where he would play on defense. He noticed very early on that I had a toughness about me. So when he was putting the defense together, you know, I was I knew I was going to be a tailback, a running back. But when he was putting the defense together, he put me at outside linebacker. So Ray Hartsfield knew what he wanted, and he went out and got it. He knew he needed football to help pay his bills, and he planned on being a basketball coach one day. And sure enough, it happened. After a time at, at Prairie View A&M, where he did graduate in 1980, Ray Hartsfield joined the Marines. Now, all Marine basic training, or boot camp, is held in two coastal locations, South Carolina on Paris Island, or San Diego. I was a Hollywood Marine. I went out to San Diego. high school English teacher had noticed a specific talent in Ray Hartsfield, and that's the talent he got to pursue in the Marine Corps. That was my MOS, Military Occupational Specialty. That was my MOS. I was a 4321, a basic print journalist. You know, there were other parts of that. You know, I went from being a print journalist to a photojournalist to a newspaper editor. I had my own feature article, sports article over in uh, Japan. I was the eye on Okinawa. It was fun. I would go around and do all the military sporting events and then write about them. Sometimes in the first person of what I saw. and People got a big kick out of it when they saw me coming. In the Marines, he served in four locations. Yuma, Arizona. Okinawa in Japan. Richmond, Virginia and finally Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. He got out of the Marines in 1992 and then went straight into coaching. I remember a lot uh, was being made. He was a former Marine, and I don't remember if he was a former drill sergeant or not, but I remember that he was a former Marine, and he talked a whole lot about discipline. That was Tim Stevens, who covered East Chapel Hill's state championship appearance for the Raleigh News and Observer. Tim spent more than four decades covering high school sports in North Carolina. The discipline theme was echoed by many who came into contact with Coach Hartsfield uh, that first season with the Wildcats, parents, players, administrators, and writers other than Tim Stevens. Part of it was Coach Hartsfield's stoic appearance on the sidelines, where he paced slowly, arms folded, often wearing a sweater vest, smacking that Nicorette gum and never sitting during games. I really appreciate coaches with military backgrounds. People like you know, Krzyzewski, maybe the results of Bobby Knight, maybe not the, the way he coached, um, Belichick, Popovich. To me, the most successful coaches have a military background. And I think that that military background instilled a certain discipline, a certain confidence, 
in, in these kids where just the way he kind of brought them along was masterful. You've heard that voice on previous episodes. That's Bruce Margulies, who covered the team as a freelance writer for the Durham Herald Sun that season. Bruce not only has the firsthand knowledge, but he saved just about everything he wrote about the team and went back through those clips before talking to me for the podcast. I value his perspective, not only because he has those clips to back up what he's saying, but also as he he saw the team as a neutral observer more than anyone. I think Hartsfield was, you know, tactical, you know, because because of the military and changing things at halftime. You know, he deserves a lot of credit. I mean, like there's one article where it mentions he said that they had 17 or 18 offensive sets. So you're talking about a, a really dedicated coach, dedicated players, you know, smart enough to implement that. And then you've got this military guy that's got all these weapons and all these, you know, he didn't just have the talented players and the disciplined players, but he also had these plans where he he was um, just working at a, at a really high level. So the Wildcats certainly listened to and respected their coach. And their coach, as he grew to know them, the players, better, got more comfortable with their personalities. Paul Kingdom said that Hartsfield would let them kind of let loose after games, let them be less serious. Of course, they won a lot, so it was pretty easy to be less serious. But Ray Hartsfield's upbringing, his background in team sports and in the military made him, well, I guess militant about one trait, and that was respect. He recalls a moment where his top six players, the ones who got the bulk of the playing time, remember East Temple Hill played a very small rotation that season. That top six got a little too full of itself in a late season practice. We were having a practice one day and they were, you know, we were late in the season, being really successful. And you know, the guys who didn't play a lot, they were always fodder. And I think in one practice we were having and the guys were just having their way and they were laughing a little bit about it. And I flew the whistle stop practice and brought them all over. I said, you will never disrespect your teammate. Never. They come here every day. They want to get on the court. But they come here and support, cheer, put in the work so you can go and execute at a ball game. And I don't think the guys were with them when I told those guys that I just brought that those six over. And you, you turn around and you go tell them you're, apologize, you love them, and you appreciate them right now. That's not a request. You will do that, and you will mean it. And don't ever let me see that happen again. And it never happened again. They came to me after practice, coach, we apologize. That was wrong. You were right. We should never treat those guys like that. That was a significant moment in that season, I think, that they appreciated the guys who weren't getting the playing time, who the guys who weren't seeing their names in the newspaper. Uh, some humility, some empathy, I think was some growth for them as individuals that day. That was the story of the Wildcats coach. Coming up next in episode four, we'll have the story of the Wildcats floor leader, Andy Jones. He's got Loyola with the steal. And Jones has got him. He wants to lay it up. He drives and does. Yes. So now... Immediately. You know, I was never one on the high school team to, like, I didn't really look for my shot all that often. Um, 
I was a hard competitor, right? And so when it came down to like a, a game winner or something like that, like I, I didn't shy away from it. Andy Jones, the point guard, I didn't say it tonight, but he looks like Ringo Starr. Does he really? Long black sideburns, big nose. A two-point lead. There are eight seconds short on the clock. The Wildcats of East Chapel Hill have the ball in the backcourt. Thanks to all of you who have shared, commented, reviewed, and rated. One, two, three! Wildcats! We are loving the interaction. We're closing in on 500 downloads. And though I did not receive many guesses on last week's trivia question, still loving uh, the feedback I'm getting from all over. Speaking of that trivia question, uh, last week's question was, what was the Wildcats' longest win streak in that first season? Now, we never, I guess, established a prize structure for people who got the uh, right answer, so maybe we need to do that before we ask the next question. But I'll go ahead and give the answer first. The Wildcats' longest winning streak that season was seven games. They lost their opening game to Hillside High School, and then they proceeded to win the next seven, including a sweep of Chapel Hill High. This week's trivia question. In two seasons of conference play, and again, conferences in North Carolina are the the structure, I guess, that determine what teams make the state playoffs. You need to finish uh, at least first or second, sometimes first, second, third, or more, depending on conference size, to make the state playoffs. In conference play in two seasons, the 96-97 season and the 97-98 season, how many games did East Chapel Hill lose in regular season conference play? That's this week's question. We will develop a prize. Maybe it'll be a a prized PDF of one of my old articles. I know, not much of a prize, but it's something. If you think you know the answer or you at least want to uh, take a guess at that trivia question, get in touch with us. Go to the show notes where you can find our Twitter account, our email information. You can also comment directly on the Podbean homepage. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk again next week on 123 Wildcats. Okay, B-Fits, that is the end of the episode. Uh